0: I'll be reading from the New Testament on page 34, Mark 8:31 through 38. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejoiced, rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who will lose their life... For my sake and for the sake of gospel, will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is the word of the Lord.
1: As I mentioned uh, about last week, we talked about preparation. That one of the first steps in following in the way of Jesus is preparation. And Jesus went out into the wilderness and allowed God to prepare Him for all that would come after that. And we need to be prepared as well. But the second step is orientation. And probably whenever you started the job that you're in or you went to school or um, anything that you start that is new typically comes with some kind of orientation. And some of those orientations aren't always the most interesting. And I want you to see one here that you might recognize. Why don't we all proceed into the conference room or should I say the banquet hall for drumroll please.
0: the official merger day all family welcome breakfast come on in I've created an
1: orientation video especially for you newcomers but it's not like
0: any orientation video that any of you have ever seen It's funny. Oh, this looks promising. You won't be disappointed. It's got a little bit of a zing to it, and I hope that it gives you a flavor of what we're all about here at Dunder Mifflin and what we're all about here in Scranton. So let's just all laugh together and watch Lazy Scranton. Sitting in my office with a plate of grilled bacon. Call a man frat, just to see what was shaking. The control if you're bit by a spider. But check that it's covered by your health
1: care provider. It reminds me of the orientation video Michael showed on my first day. The Scranton Witch Project.
0: I am so scared when people don't label their personal food. Plenty of space in the parking lot. The little cars go when the compact spot. Spot! Spot!
1: Spot! Well, so far, I think it is killing I thought it would either be an A or an A plus, but I completely forgot that there is an A plus plus. Have you ever been that I think when this came out, I was uh, working somewhere uh, for, a, actually it was for a hospice and I was thinking about how similar their office environment was to ours as we were getting uh, an orientation packet and a speech that was so boring and so terrible that uh, I no longer wanted to work there. And we sometimes go through these orientations that are like that, but it wasn't that way with Jesus. The kind of orientation that Jesus gave to those who would be working for Him and who would be following Him out into the world was very different, a very different kind of presentation. And this is hilarious uh, to to watch that and think about how silly that is. But it's really probably not that far off uh, from the kind of orientation that you and I might have received about Christianity. About what it means to follow Jesus. Because sometimes what we hear and sometimes what we see in the lives of other Christians would lead us to think, This is no way to live. This is not the kind of work that I want to do for the rest of my life. Jesus left no doubt about what was ahead for His disciples. And in His presentation, uh, just in these two or three verses that we've heard from Mark, there are at least three different parts or three components, very simple things that we are to do that we might find in the midst of them are very difficult as well. The first one that Jesus mentions to the disciples is that they were to deny themselves. Jesus looked at His disciples and looked at the crowd, perhaps, that was off in the distance and realized how selfish and self-centered they were, just as all of us are. And Jesus said, if you want to follow in the way of God in this world, if you want to start going with me in the places I'm going and following me, then you are going to need to leave leave yourself behind. You're going to need to deny yourself. And that word must is there. You must deny yourself and follow me. Now, those are difficult words to hear, aren't they? It's not about you, Jesus is saying. It's not about how you think the world ought to be, disciples. And Peter... Peter certainly had his own ideas, didn't he? He had his own ideas about what God was going to do in the world and what God was going to do with the Roman government and what God was going to do with all of those religious snobs that uh, kept giving him trouble and causing Jesus problems. Peter looked at Jesus and said, No, Jesus, this can't be. You can't die like that. You can't have that kind of end for your life. That's not it. Bringing on the words of Jesus, very strong words that Jesus says to Peter, Satan, you get behind me because this is not the way we're going. You deny yourself and come follow me. If we look at verses 36 on down through 38, and I hope you're following along here in Mark chapter 8. uh, As Patty said on page 34 in your pew Bible, Uh, He called the crowd with His disciples and He said these things to them. If you want to follow Me, then you will deny yourself. Take up your cross, follow Me. For those who want to save their life, they will lose it. And those who lose their life for My sake will gain it. And I'm sure they were thinking, uh, you know, I really don't want to do this. I'd rather gain my own life. I'd rather do the things that I know are going to put me ahead and be able to fulfill the desires and the hopes and the dreams that I have had for my life. And Jesus says, if that's what you're thinking, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose it all. Jesus said, don't do that. Come and follow me by denying yourself. Why is that so hard for us to do? There are so many things about us that we just attach to and we can't give up. We can't even envision giving them up. Richard Rohr uh, has written a great word about selves, and he talks a lot in his writing. Uh, he is a, uh, a Catholic priest, a scholar, a writer, uh, just a tremendous um, theologian and contemplative. And in this, uh, in, in several of his books, he talks about the true self versus the false self. And he says that in all of us, there are both There is who we truly are, who God has made us to be as we've been made in God's image. And then there is this false sense of self. And we either live more like one or the other. But he says Christians are usually sincere and well-intentioned people until you get to any real issues of ego, control, power, money, pleasure, and security. Then they tend to be pretty much like everybody else. We often give a bogus version of the gospel, some fast food religion, without any deep transformation of the self. And the result has been the spiritual disaster of Christian countries that tend to be as consumer-oriented, proud, warlike, racist, class-conscious, and addictive as everybody else and often more so, he says, and I am afraid. Does that describe our nation, our Christian nation? Pretty much does, doesn't it? But it pretty much describes us as individuals. That we're all about Christianity. We're all about following Jesus and being good to other people and serving and helping. But when it comes to denying ourselves, well, that's a different question. And as we think about our own lives, we must realize, and the first thing that Jesus gives out in His orientation packet is this first component of denying self. So think about yourself. What are you more like today? Are you more of the true self God has made you to be? As you look back in this past week, did you live more out of the true person God has made you to be or... Are you living out of that false sense of ego and self-centeredness and everything that you can get for yourself? Well, We can deny ourselves by realizing the difference between those two, but in so doing, by putting other people first and putting their needs first. I mean, look at Jesus. Look at how He did that. And I think that's what Jesus would do is He would go along with the disciples. He would not only teach them and share them with them these profound words, but He would put them into action right there in front of them. And I think a lot of the times Jesus would, would just stop on the road and talk to somebody that He might not have talked to or healed just so that His disciples could see what it means to deny themselves and to live for other people. I know that when Jesus took the towel and began to wash His disciples' dirty, stinking feet, that He was modeling for them in the clearest kind of fashion what it means to deny yourself. I'm sure Jesus, as other leaders would have done, as you and I would have done, would have sat back and expected His disciples to come and to wash His feet. How dare... He stooped down and cleaned the feet of people lesser than he. But that's not what Jesus did. He denied himself and he took the form of a servant and served other people. And if we are going to get serious about walking in the way of Jesus, not just talking about walking in the way, but actually doing it, then we have to deny Ourselves, And only you can figure out what that means for your life. As you go to work tomorrow, as you go to school. We are having school next week, right? Who knows? Uh, who knows? Uh, as you go out into your neighborhood, as you uh, get around your family. And this is where it really hits home, right? At home. When you put other people's needs above your own. Lifting them up and seeing how you can serve them before you serve yourself. The best way to identify that is when when the food is put on the table. Um, Who goes after the food first, right? That's the way it was in my house. Whoever could snatch the uh, piece of chicken or whatever first. What about serving other people and saying, I want you be above me. I want to give what I have to you so that you might be lifted up and blessed. Well, a second component in this orientation that Jesus gives to the disciples is one that is not any easier than the first, and it is to take up a cross. Jesus looks at his disciples and uh, he is aware, as they are, about crucifixion in their society and uh, in this Roman controlled environment that they lived in, that the Romans were brutal. And to make a point about crime and about who was really in charge and who was really God, Caesar would make sure that people who misbehaved were crucified on the outskirts of the city. So if you were entering into the city, then you would really understand how you were to behave when you came into that city. And so Jesus is saying to them, if you're going to follow me, you better be ready to take up your cross. If you're going to follow, you can't come empty-handed. There is a cost that is involved with following. And so there were so many different kinds of crosses they could pick up. And Jesus talked about lots of different issues that were going on. As we get closer to Easter, uh, as we get to about the third week, actually next week or the next, we're going to look at Jesus and His righteous indignation who is getting very angry about injustice and about denying the temple and denying prayer to people who didn't have as much money or religion as other people did. And so Jesus turns over a table and gets angry. We have a visions of hope client almost every two who asked me, Did Jesus really pull out a whip and turn over tables and get mad? And I'm not sure why he's asking that question. I say, Yeah, he really did. He got really angry, but he got angry for the right reason. He had a cross to bear. The story that's been uh, in the news a lot lately is about Kayla Muller. If you kept up with the story of Kayla, I believe we have a, a picture of her there. She is the uh, relief worker who was um, in the, in Afghanistan and other places, and uh, she had a definite cause to be able to serve other people. And uh, she was killed, as best um, the information they have. She was killed in one of the uh, raids that was um, that was done there in in Syria, I believe. Um, not beheaded like a lot of the other people captured. All although I'm, I'm sure that that's probably something that was to happen. But she died in the line of duty, um, the kind of duty that she felt as she understood God's will. And there's a quote I want you to hear. One of the uh, interviews that was done of the parents, um, she was uh, the mother was talking about Kayla and the kind of person she was because not just too many 20-year-olds will go over to uh, some place that is as dangerous a place as... anywhere in Afghanistan or Iraq or Syria, any of those places, and put their lives on the line for the sake of other people. But she understood about suffering in the world, and she said, I am not going to allow that to become normal. As far as I'm concerned, and as far as what I can do, suffering will not be normal. Normal. And so she says, some people find God in church. Some people find God in nature. Some people find God in love. I find God in suffering. I've known for some time what my life's work is, using my hands as tools to relieve suffering. She took up a cross. And she died on it. And I believe she would do it all over again. Wouldn't it be great if there were more Kayla Mullers in the world? Well, that's exactly the kind of life that Jesus has called you to live. And it doesn't mean you have to go over to uh, Afghanistan. It doesn't mean you have to go to any other place than right here in this neighborhood or right at your workplace or right at your school or in the the place that you find yourself in this next week. God has called you to follow. And He has said, if you're going to do it, there's a cross to bear. I think about Francis. I keep picking on Francis because she sits on the front row, almost the front row over here. The cross she's picked up is the, the burn in Menden. That's a cross that she is bearing. It's costing her time, probably costing her money, costing her stress at night, uh, taking up a lot of, of her energy. But she feels called by God to be on point for this crisis so that other people could be helped so that all of us could have clean air and that people would be held accountable for their actions? What is it that you are to carry? What kind of cause and what kind of cross are you to pick up? Well, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. You know, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. Well, just find something. I mean, there are crosses laying all over the place around here. I mean, they're everywhere. Just pick up one and start to carry it. And God will give you more light and more direction as you follow. But realize the cross is the form of spirituality for the Christian, it is your logo. I don't know what Dunder Mifflin's logo was, I can't remember. But for you, as a follower of Christ, your logo is a cross. The shape of your life as a worker in this organization is to be the shape of a cross. A cross that you pick up and that you embrace and is in, and you are uh, impaled to. It is something that you carry with you from now on. And you better make sure that you are prepared, as we talked about last week, that you're in shape to pick up the cross. And the best way to do that is just to keep on carrying it and keep walking with it. And you will become... Uh, more in shape with the cross but it is also in counting the cost what's it going to cost you to do it for you to really live You know, we've talked a lot about radical people talk about radical Islam or radical Christianity and we struggle with these words well if Christianity is anything it is to be radical I mean you're to really take it seriously count the cost of being radical. Are you doing that? Maybe the reason there aren't enough fully alive Christians these days is that we've counted the cost and said, I don't want to do it. It costs too much. Be sure you're all in. Every bit of you, like Kayla, is in. And watch Christ. Watch how He picks up His cross. And learn from that. Well, a final component I think that we would hear in Jesus' orientation, or that we do hear as He gave it to the crowd, to the disciples that day, is follow me. Again, that's pretty simple, right? Sounds simple. Simple statement. Maybe not so easy to do at times. Follow me. Jesus said, okay, it's not enough for you to deny yourself. That's great. Deny yourself. You could go out in the desert and live a life of self-denial. And it's not enough to take up a cross. You could take up a cross and stay inside all day long and no one would ever see it. Nothing would ever be done uh, about that particular cause or the, the burden that you bear. No, the next step is to follow me. Come follow me, Jesus says. Don't follow yourself. Don't follow other people. Don't follow the expectations of the world around you. Follow me. Come in my steps and follow after me. And that was Peter's problem. He learned it finally. Took a few lessons, but he finally got it. It takes us a while too, doesn't it, for us to be able to to follow in the way of Jesus. This past week, it was icy, you know, and snowy, and we uh, uh, were out, uh, had the dog out, and just kind of running around and. Um, the dog got kind of close his name is Duke by the way I want you to be on a personal basis with him Duke is his name Um, he was out running around and uh, looked like he was getting ready to just take off for Wallace Lake Um, we were just on the edge of it and he was running towards it and uh, I started to go after him and I realized I saw some steps where somebody else had been out there walking and I I stayed in those steps because I didn't want to step somewhere no one else had stepped I didn't want to step off into to some thin ice and, you know, be knee-deep or even beyond that in the water as it was uh, freezing water. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to go in the right direction. And I think uh, Jesus has given us the steps that we are to follow in this world, hasn't He? He doesn't want us to wander off of that pathway. And if you look at Carrie's painting, you see there is a pathway to go. If you go to the right or go to the left, you might go somewhere you shouldn't be going. But there is a compass that's on there that tells us what. What true north is and if you look at jenny's painting you see what it takes to walk that path it's surrender god your way is better than mine and i'm going to follow after you in the way that you are going and it's not always easy rarely is it easy and it's lonely at times as you're walking that road that your friends your co-workers other people might be going in a different direction And it can be lonely to walk in the way of Jesus. But Jesus calls us to keep on going. To keep at it. To give Him our full attention. All the while remembering the destination that God has given us. There's a a neat quote by uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He says, To deny oneself is to be aware only of Christ and no more of self. To see only Him who goes before and no more the road which is too hard for us. That is my prayer for you as we continue in this season of Lent. That this next week would be a week of orientation for you. And it is hilarious to think about um, orientations like at Dunder Mifflin. But the orientation we have is serious business. It is the work God has created and called you to do. Let's pray.